If you're able to remain standing, please do so. Either way, please take a Bible and turn to James chapter 1. This morning we want to look at verses 22 through 25. It's actually on page uh, 1011. If you'd like to use a Bible from the church, you, you could grab one from the pew in front of you and turn to page 1011 or turn to James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. Thank you guys for leading us this morning as we have the occasion to sing to the Lord and about the Lord. Um, this is God's word for us this morning. And here's what God says. But be ye doers of the word, and not only hearers deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word, that we could read your word. We count that as a gift from you. We want even now our time in the word to be an act of worship. We want you to be pleased by how we would hear and be transformed by these words. So help us now, help me, help us, that as we spend these moments together now considering this word that we've just read, that you would be at work by your Spirit, that you would open our eyes, and that you would incline our hearts to persevere with your word. Change us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We began the new segment last week in verse 19. These verses, all the way now through the end of chapter 1, uh, are explaining and exploring the role of the Word of God in our lives, particularly our ingestion of the written Word of God. We are, we are to have, and as we noticed last week, we are to have an active, ongoing, continuously uh, reception of the Scriptures in our walk with the Lord. The Scriptures are what have played an indispensable role in the start of our Christian life and journey, and the Scriptures are to play an indispensable role in the continuance on into the conclusion of our Christian life and journey. Now, what James adds this morning about the importance of receiving the Word in our lives is that receiving the Word is not merely a matter of hearing it. That's what he really dealt with somewhat last week, but he adds to that now. To, to, to fill this thing out, to help us to grasp that receiving the word is not merely a matter of hearing, but it is also a matter of doing the word. Hearing the word is absolutely essential. 
I say that not just for the purpose of job security, but merely hearing the word is actually insufficient. Hearing and doing is what defines truly receiving the word. Hearing without doing is actually, here in our passage, verse uh, 22 as it begins, be ye doers of the word and not and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Hearing without doing is actually an exercise in spiritual self-deception. Now, the tricky thing about self-deception is that we're not altogether always alert to how our self is being deceived. Say, I'm not self-deceived says one who is self-deceived. Let me just throw out a couple of cultural statements, that, that ways that our culture catechizes us, teaches us, edumacates us. We, and we begin to think like the culture thinks. And when we think like the culture thinks... We think, we, think that we think that we've accomplished something, but all we've accomplished is notions of our own spiritual self-deception. Say, well, I, I, I need to find myself. I need, to, I need to esteem myself. I need to love myself. I need to affirm myself. I need to accept myself. And we, and we hear these so often. They're, they're such a part of the, of the indoctrinational process of our culture uh, that, that, that we begin to make these statements as followers, professing followers of Jesus. And, 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 and actually, Jesus comes to us and says, if you want to follow me, it's not about loving yourself or, de- or asserting yourself or esteeming yourself or accepting yourself. It's... Well, you got to deny yourself. You say, well, that's about the same thing, ain't it? No, it's not. See, that, that's how embedded self-deception, spiritual self-deception lands on us. We, we, we no longer have the ability to even decipher or discern the difference between a biblical worldview and how our culture catechizes us in its wicked worldview. We begin to espouse belief systems that don't belong to biblical Christianity, and we even get proud enough that we even do it on Twitter and Facebook. Hearing without doing puts us in a state of spiritual self-deception. Hearing without doing is a serious matter. Where there is not doing, there is, there is no evidence of true spiritual vitality, regardless of how good you feel about yourself. 
Regardless of how deeply you tear up when you hear that old hymn or, or how, 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 how quickly you wiggle when you hear that new, uh, really cool contemporary worship song. You see, see uh, neither tears nor wiggles uh, are evidences of true spiritual affections. Don't laugh at me wiggling like that. That's not spiritual either. So. You see, you and I might think ourselves to be right with God based upon how we feel about ourselves, but where there is no desire and engagement in doing what the Word says, there is only serious deception. Now, let me be clear about something. It is not our doing... It is not our works, it is not our efforts, it is not our obediences that establishes and or earns our relationship with God. We are only right with God because of the works, because of the efforts, because of the obediences of Jesus. We are called to trust in Jesus, not ourselves. We are called to turn from ourselves and turn to Jesus. However, what the Bible also teaches, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would, used to say, the Bible knows nothing, absolutely zilch, nada, zero. The Bible knows nothing of a true faith in Jesus, which is what brings us into a right relationship with God. So the Bible knows nothing about being in a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus that does not express itself in patterns of, of obedience, in patterns of works, in patterns of doing what the Word says. Our passage this morning is robustly orienting us to this subject matter of doing. In fact, in fact, verse 22 actually literally begins with the word doer. And verse 25 actually literally ends with the word doing. So we're starting with... And I know we don't speak this way in the English language, at least most of us don't. Yoda does, I know, but, but still. Uh, but, but literally, the first thing here in verse 25 is, doers be ye. And the last thing in verse 25 is, he will be blessed in his doing. So, so the, the bookends here is about the importance of being doers, the importance, the role of, of doing. And of course, James didn't think this up his own self. He certainly was moved by the Holy Spirit to pen these words, and, 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 and yet the Holy Spirit moved him to pen these words just like Jesus predicted. When the Spirit comes, he will bring to remembrance all the things that I've said. And, and, and so when, and James is talking about the, the importance of doing and the blessedness of doing. Uh, we could just simply look over at Luke eleven twenty eight, 28, where Jesus says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and do it. Now, James 
illustrates the seriousness of doing the word with a figure of speech, a simile, I think is what this particular figure of speech is. I was absent in English class that day. But, but, but figures of speech, similes, metaphors, hyperboles, um, the Bible is chock full of them, and they're just wonderful tools because similes and metaphors and figures of speech encourage us to do what the Bible wants us to do anyway, and that is, once we read something, to mull it over. So James breaks down the process of how a hearer only functions, and then he compares that with the process of how a hearer turned doer operates. Look at verse 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently into, um, at, at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. A couple of things to highlight here. Um, a hearer only uh, does look intently into the mirror. Now, by way of the in analogy here, uh, a, a hearer is someone who um, really does understand on some level what the word is saying. He really does take a look at his face in the mirror, and he really does see what the mirror is showing him. By the way, just a couple of things about a mirror, and that is, you know, the older I get, there's just the less I'm interested in mirrors. Now, maybe, there was a, maybe there's an objective basis on why I, I, I should have never been interested in mirrors. But I, in my earlier notions of self-deception, I used to thought, hey, you know. But, I mean, now it's like, uh. You see, you, you look at a mirror not because you're looking for someone to love. <laughs> you look at a mirror because you're you're interested in exploring what needs to get dealt with and worked out. Hmm. You see, a, a hearer, on the one hand, he does see the mirror, and he does see what's to be shown in the mirror. A, a hearer does, on one level, uh, understand the, 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 what the Bible is teaching on some level. Um, it, 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 the, the man looking at the mirror does, does see what needs attention, what needs to be done. But the problem with the hearer only, hearer sans doer, I, I just, I, I, look, I waited all week to say the word sans there. But the thoughts and the considerations derived by what was pointed out in the mirror, the thoughts and the considerations derived by what was 
shown to him from the word are quickly dropped before they can ever get worked into application. He never does the word because he soon or quickly forgets the word. He moves on to other things, other thoughts, other considerations. He doesn't end up doing a thing in reference to what he saw because he soon tries to forget what he saw. Now, James now breaks away from the simile, um, and he speaks very straightforwardly about the process involved in the life of a hearer-turned-doer. Look at verse 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, which is in contradistinction to the other guy. In fact, he, he specifies this, being no hearer who forgets, but being a doer who acts. Notice the key difference between the hearer only and the hearer turned doer. Both of them have this one thing in, column, in common. They both look. That each can grasp or understand something about what they see, what they're being shown. But one forgets, while the other doesn't forget. The other perseveres in what he saw. That is, he retains what he saw. He remembers what he saw. He recalls what he saw. He rehearses what he saw. What was heard from looking becomes internalized through consideration and meditation. What was heard from looking gets not dropped that held on to and revisited. I think that's very insightful. Um, we live in an age in which there is an abundance of Bible information available to us, and praise God for that. On the eve of the Protestant Reformation, there was this critter called the printing press that was uh, created. And Luther's 95 Theses, um, which I don't even think he gave permission to do this, but they just went and did it anyway. They cranked them things out of the, out of the printing press and began to flood Europe with that information. And, and so Bible information began to go forth. And, and, and we have not merely the printing press, but we have all kinds of electronic mediums through which uh, Bible information can be conveyed. We can drown ourselves in Bible information. So, our struggle today is not 
how do we find a mirror around here? Uh, we've got plenty of mirrors, so we've got plenty of avenues to, to, to uh, hold the word up and to look into it, to, to, to see what it's saying. Uh, and, 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 and yet, maybe our breakdown is in the fact that while we have heard it and seen it, we forget it and don't persevere in it. For instance, do you ever... Go back and rethink about your daily Bible reading. I mean, you read it this morning, or you read it last night. Do you ever go back the next morning, or do you ever go back later in the day and, and, and revisit what you've read? Or have you completely forgot about what you've read? Do you ever, maybe, maybe you get the opportunity as you're in your car, maybe you, maybe you can listen to the audio Bible as an app on your phone. And again, isn't that incredible, the information we have available to us? We can hear the Word of God when we're in the car. We, we, can, we can play the app and, and listen to a, a chapter or two of the Bible read, but, but do, you, do you ever revisit that and remember something about the audio Bible segment that you listened to the other day? Do you ever go back and reconsider that podcast of a Bible teacher or that radio Bible teacher that you heard in the car yesterday? Or did you forget it? Do, do, do you ever revisit uh, the, 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 that what was stated in a Bible study class that we have here at church? So our study in the book of Acts that we're going through on Sunday mornings right now, do, is, is that like a, is there like a one-hour expiration date on that? Or does, does any of that ever linger past? Uh, now be, don't, don't be thinking about it right now. You'd be thinking about this right now. But, but, but after, later on, you could think about it. But, or or do, do you ever take a second look at the, the, uh, the, at the passage that was preached from at church the previous Sunday? You say, I, 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 I did, I, 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 we're supposed to do that? Look, we have to figure out some way that we don't look and then soon forget. We have to figure out some way that when we look, we persevere in what we saw. Because the linchpin here between hearers only and hearers turned doers is that hearers turned doers are not the guys who hear something, who see something, and then drop it and forget it. But there's, there's someone who revisits it, remembers it, rehearses it, recalls it, perseveres in it. It's good to read a lot of your Bible. It's good to listen to many sermons. It's good to take in a lot of Bible studies and Bible information, but be careful what James is warning us about this morning is we have to think about what the scriptures are teaching us, not simply in the avenue of being widely exposed to lots of information, but to be deeply rooted and grounded for the sake of true transformation. Might I suggest to you 
that, and I don't know, there's not a law for this, so, you know, just something to, you got to figure it out in, in this way, but rather than listen to five sermons one time each and then forgetting what you heard in those five sermons, listen to the same sermon five times. I'm not saying listen to mine five times, because, I mean, I try to listen to every one of my sermons, and I just think, you poor people, that what you have to go through. Oh. So about one time through, and I'm done. <laughs> but, but just theoretically. Um, so it's, it's not how many sermons can I hear, how many chapters can I cover, how many Bible studies can I be a part of. But how are you persevering, remembering, not forgetting um, the, the one lesson that you did hear? You see, J- James says something that's very important that pertains to the matter of persevering and not forgetting the word. And James expresses the two convictions uh, that, that he maintains about the word. You see, we are driven by our affections, and our, our affections are informed and inflamed by the convictions that we have. And, and James has two convictions that informs and inflames his affections toward the word and doing the word. He says the word, well, here's what he says in verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, there it is. Those those are two convictions he has about the word of God. I think in this context, when he uses the word law, I think he's just talking about the word in in general. But but in other words, James has two deep convictions that he wants us to have deep convictions. That's why he's telling us he has these convictions. He wants us to share in these convictions. For if we share in these convictions earnestly, then these will drive our affections as well toward being not only hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. First of all, James has a conviction about the the nature of Scripture. What is the Scripture? It is perfect, flawless, true. It is without error. It is incapable of error. It is enough. It is actually living and active and powerful. It actually is able to accomplish all that it intends to accomplish. And then he says something about his conviction concerning the function of Scripture. What is the Scripture's function? It liberates. It sets free. It enables us to be and to become all that God has designed us to be. It, 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 it liberates us. It, it helps us to experience all that God intends for us to experience in life and in our relationship with Him. The Word of God is a word of liberty. It frees us from our bondage to sin. It lifts, up, it lifts 
us above the trappings of our culture. It unshackles us from the sinful emotions. It, re, it removes our blinders, which would otherwise deceive our thoughts. It trains us in the process of godliness. It convicts us of destructive ways and of thinking and living. It comforts us in our afflictions. It strengthens us in our weaknesses. It binds up our hurts. It shows us the way of life everlasting. These convictions that I briefly touch on inflame our affections, which drive our actions. You see, the what motivates James to internalize the word uh, is he knows it just ain't some everyday ordinary word. This is not the word of men. This is the word of God. It is perfect in everything it teaches. It's perfect in everything it says about human intimacy and sexuality. It is perfect in everything it says about the preciousness of life. It is perfect in everything it says about gender. It is perfect in everything it says about racism. It is perfect in everything it says about everything. And, and, and it alone and compliance to it alone is what actually liberates us in life. You say, oh, wait a minute. I mean... We need to throw off the shackles of the word. It won't let me be whatever I want to be. It won't let me be whatever gender I want to be. It won't let me be with whoever I want to be with. No, because it doesn't want us to be in bondage to our own selves and to the God of this world and to the system and structures of this fallen culture. So for James, what drives him from being not simply a hearer to being a hearer-turned-doer is that he believes that the perfect word unleashes his soul. Now, quickly, i got to do this quickly. Second point I want to make. Um, first point was the seriousness of doing the word the second point, we could do this quicker if you promise to listen faster, is the standing from doing the word. That's just really the very tail end where we, where we leave off there at verse 20, 25. Read verse 25 again. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be, he will be blessed in in, in his doing. Doing, not hearing only, but doing turned, hear, hearing turned doing brings blessing unlike hearing only. But how should we think about that? How should we think about this notion, this, this, this matter uh, of, of how we come to experience blessing through doing. It, we're, we're, we're really like 
fetching for here is when it talks about the one who does will be blessed, is he talking about that we will receive some sort of a subsequent, separate, additional, uh, external thing, Majiggy? Maybe in this life, maybe in the next life. Well, perhaps, perhaps other passages would help us to get our mind around that, but I don't think that's what this passage is saying. I don't think this passage is saying is that the blessing is some, some subsequent, separate, external, extrinsic thingamajiggy. I would suggest to you that what he's talking about is how the one who does is blessed. I would suggest to you that the matter of blessing is not an experience that is external to doing, that is separate or distinct from doing, but it is, a, it is an experience that is intrinsic in the doing. The blessing is not to be found after the doing. The blessing is located in the doing itself. Do you see why he thinks the law is perfect and liberating? The experience of blessing here that he describes in this context, he will be blessed in his doing. The experience of blessing is not that which we wait for after doing, holding out our hands saying, okay, Lord, I've done. Now give me, give me, give me blessing. Can I get a star? Lollipop? Uh, I, I, I know. Boy, I, I, sarcasm is not a fruit of the Spirit. I get that. But, but it sure is fun in the meantime. But... No, but I think what James is trying to help us to grab a hold of is that it is actually in the experience of doing what the word says. It is actually in the experience of doing that we experience the blessing, living in harmony with and in compliance with the perfect liberating word of God is its own blessing. I think that's what David's saying. Blessed is the man. Not blessed will become the man. We'll get around to that later. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water. In other words, he's blessed not later when the water finally rains, He's blessed right now because his soul is planted by the streams of water that yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. To practice what the, law, what the word says about human intimacy is not simply to do so because down the road we might get rewarded. To practice what the law says about human intimacy and gender and a whole host of other issues. We don't do those things because later we might get some candy for that. No, we do those things because the perfect liberating law of God blesses us in doing that. 
And so we ought to be happy. <laughs> Don't practice biblical morality and be miserable about it. We don't have to live with a chip on our shoulder or an angriness. When we walk in obedience to the word, we are walking in the blessed smile of God upon us. Now, how does the gospel of Jesus fit into this? I just got to share this quickly and then we're done. Remember, he says, to start us back in verse 18 again, that it was, it was by his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be the, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You see, when the word of God brings the new birth into our hearts, the word of God changes and alters our hearts. And, and, and the first and chiefest way that it changes our hearts is it gives us a whole new set of convictions and affections about what the Word does and what the Word is. It is the miracle of the new birth that would give any of us a conviction that says, Oh, Lord, thank you for your perfect Word. Lord, thank you for your liberating Word. I get to walk in the blessings of your way because you've opened my eyes to see your word. And, and, and in particular, to narrow that focus about the word even further, uh, what really ignites our passion to love the word and to love doing the word is because we see what the Bible chiefly points out to us, and that is that without, what, what, without Jesus, we would still look at the word and go, me. We would still look at the word and say, man, I don't want to be restricted by that thing. I don't want to live under the bondage of that word. But when we see Jesus, when we see the beauty and the majesty of the one who took on flesh and came and dwelt among us, when we see the beauty and the majesty of what a life of perfect righteousness and obedience consists of, when we see the beauty and the majesty of the strokes of justice that Jesus received for us and for our salvation, when we see the beauty and majesty of the reality that Jesus is not dead, that God raised him from the dead, when we see the beauty and majesty that Jesus is right now at the Father's right hand interceding for us, when we see the beauty and the majesty that Jesus will come back and collect us unto himself, when we see that, we turn and trust in this Jesus. And he gives us a new heart and a new spirit that upends our former way of thinking about the word. We now see it as perfect. And we now see it as liberating. We now see it as not just something to get some information about. But we now see it as the way to live transformed under the blessing of God. So thank you, Father, for your word. No word like your word. Your word is perfect. It does free us. 
for it, among other things, shows us Jesus, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so we thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the change that he brings to our hearts. We trust in Jesus. We want to trust in no other. We want to follow Jesus. We don't want to be sidetracked or derailed or to be deceived by any other. We want to experience the blessing of the perfect, liberating word of God. Help us, Lord, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.